Wonderful. Great to be here tonight. Great to have you here tonight. How many of you uh, know what it's like to feel pressure? Hey? How many of you always like to feel a bit of pressure on your life? Hey? Hey? How many know what pressure is like? How many just gone through a season of pressure right now? Hey? Yeah, a whole heap of people, isn't that right? How many found flip it was almost overwhelming? Yeah, okay. Well, that's fairly widespread. It happens that. You get little seasons like that. But seasons are wonderful things. And every season of life, you can grow. Every spiritual season is good for us. So whatever the devil throws up, whatever life throws up, well, it's good for us. Just another step to grow, you know. And, uh, but I want to just share with you some things. I want to share with you a key scripture tonight, just about what Jesus said. And he said, in the world, you will have pressure. Oh, that's not bad, is it, eh? That's a fairly good news, isn't it? But he said, but, but be positive and have a great attitude because I have overcome the world. So we have invited into our hearts someone who has faced every possible pressure, every possible challenge that a person could face and has won the victory. And so when you connect with God, when you build a relationship with Christ, you have available to you the resources of someone who's already been there and done it. And he can help you. You know, if you want to get help from someone, find someone who's a winner. Yeah. Hey? You want help from finances, don't go to someone who tried a lot and got broke. Go to someone who actually has made a lot of money. You know, if you want to find out how to succeed in life, find someone who succeeded and ask them, take them out for coffee or take them out for lunch or something and ask them to share with you how they got the breakthrough. What did you do? What, did, what can I learn from you? You've got to learn to do that kind of thing. Find people who are successful, and then if you had someone who's successful in front of you, what are you going to ask them? Most people sit down with someone successful, they haven't got a clue what to say. You've got to ask questions. So, I mean, so often when people meet someone who's successful, they spend all their time talking about themselves, trying to explain themselves, make themselves look good, rather than actually just asking questions. You know, when you get near someone who's successful, you want to just shut up and listen a lot and ask a lot of questions. It's your moment to break through. It's your moment. You only need one key that can really shift your life. And Jesus, you know, he said, I've, I've been there and done that. You know, what can, you be th- what can be thrown up? Betrayal? Oh, I've handled that. You know, pressure of, of crowds? I can handle, I've handled that. Uh, your friends putting demands on you? I've handled that. Betrayal by your friends? I've handled that. You know, being sold out? I've handled that as well. There's nothing you can experience. Family pressures? I handle that as well. Conflict with parents? He handled that as well. And there's nothing you can raise that Jesus didn't actually face at some point. The Bible says in every time, in every place, he was tempted like we are, but without sin. Therefore, he can actually help you because he understands what it feels like to be under pressure. And so I want to share tonight of a, just a simple uh, thing out of the Old Testament. I want to share about a man who got under tremendous pressure and just want to look at what he did that got him through it because he got a tremendous breakthrough, really supernatural breakthrough. And you need that in your life too. A number of people need it, but you've got to do the right things. And if you don't do the right things, you don't get breakthroughs. And so I want to share with you just the story of a guy tonight, and I want, to, I want you to look at the Word of God. These things are written down for our learning, the Bible says. So you've got to learn from other people. And uh, this one, I like this because uh, even though we read the story tonight, you read it's found in two places in the Old Testament about a guy who was under immense pressure. And at one point, he caved. And then he got up again. Isn't that good? Don't you like it? How many have caved sometime under pressure? Ah, oh, yeah, that's right. Maybe somebody done an experiment at school where you get a tin and boil it with a little bit of water in it and fill it with steam and then, then put the cap on it and cool it. And all the air goes out, you've got no air in it, and it just crushes. It hasn't got enough in it to hold it up under pressure. How many have seen someone that failed under pressure? They just cracked and crashed, gave up, got under pressure at school, quit their course. 
Got under pressure at work, quit the job. Got under pressure in a relationship, gave in. Got under pressure with the crowd, went with the crowd and drank. How, you, know, you know those kind of things? Now, this is a life thing, isn't it, eh? Coming under pressure. And so I want to talk to you about making a stand or standing up under pressure. Why don't you have a look with me in the Old Testament? I'm going to look at a guy by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah. That's a strange name. But actually his name means God is my strength or God has strengthened me. That's quite good, isn't it, eh? So his whole name is a prophetic testimony or witness. Actually, God can strengthen you to stand. And the Bible's full of people who made stands under pressure. Also, those who fell under pressure too. I like those ones as well. Helps you. So pressures uh, and storms in life are natural. They come. And there are three sources of storms in our life. Uh, One source is God himself. Sometimes God will send a storm or a pressure situation around you. And in the midst of it, it's to get you to lean into him and grow. Sometimes there's pressures and storms come on us because we goofed up. And in a time like that, you've got to really repent and learn the lesson and, and do the hard yards. That's, what it, that's really what it's going to be. You know, if you've messed up, then you've got to face up. And then you've got to fess up. And then you've got to actually then work through the thing. But there's some storms which are really quite demonic. And in those, you have to stand up. And the, the trick is to actually recognize which is which. Not always easy to know which one's which. But when, when Jonah was thrown over the board and got in, there was a storm in the ship and they threw him overboard, that was a storm God raised up because he was going off track. When you go off track, sometimes God sets a storm, gets your attention. Okay? So if you've got a storm in your life, is God trying to get my attention about something? Have I just messed up and I need to look at some things in my life? Or is there something God wants me to stand up and actually do something? And we're going to look at a guy who stood up and did something. So it happens to everyone. Now, in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, it says this. It says, now there's no temptation, trial, test, or pressure has come into your life, but is not common to man. So here's the first thing. Pressures you face, others face them as well common to man. Now, the trouble is when we're under pressure, we think, well, it's just mine out. You can't understand what I'm going through. Now, listen, actually, it's common. The wrapping's different. The problem's the same. Other people are facing the same issue. And so he says, but God is faithful. You can absolutely rely on him. He will not allow you to be pressured above what you have capacity to get through. And he will, with the pressure, make a way of escape that you can walk through and come out in victory on the other side. So here's the thing. If you are facing a pressure in your life, you know certain things about that situation. Here's the first thing. The first thing is other people have that too. You're not alone. Secondly, you can rely on God to help you. Thirdly, you have got what it takes to get through this thing and win. It's not bigger than you can handle. It's just right for you. Eh? And finally, you've got to look for God's way through the situation. God's always got a way through it. You've got to ask him, show me how you want me to walk through this. Sometimes he'll teach you straight away and speak into your spirit. Sometimes he'll speak through his word. Sometimes you've got to go ask someone for help. Just if one isn't working, try the other. Okay, let's look in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Now, after these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came, entered Judah, and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And when Hezekiah saw Sennacherib had come, and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem. So, the, so Hezekiah is facing overwhelming pressure. Now what has happened is, the army of Assyria, now it was the leading world military power. In, in the day that Hezekiah lived, this was the major military power. They beat everyone. 
There was no one could stand in front of them. In fact, he had watched and read the paper and looked on the television news and he saw them clean up Israel, take over the whole country and take people into captivity and plunder the country. He'd seen the whole thing. And then uh, Sennacherib came with thousands upon thousands of troops into his own land and they began to take his cities. One after the other fell. And he's sitting in Jerusalem. It's the last one. It's the capital city. And so Sennacherib came to him and uh, notice that the Bible says after all these faithful things that he'd done. Now here's the interesting thing. Um, This guy Hezekiah was a great man of God. Hezekiah was raised in a situation where there was satanic worship, where there was all kinds of idolatry, there was all kinds of immorality, all kinds of social problems. And when he got to be king, immediately he stood up and he said, enough of this, we're having a cleanup. He got into the temple, got all the stuff, the junk, the rubbish, the idols, cleaned it all out. And then he started to commit his life and the life of the nation to walk with God. And then he had a cleanup of the idols in Jerusalem. And then everyone got excited and they cleaned all the idols out of the whole nation. He had a major revival. You think, well, great. Great to be in revival. Great to have doing something great for God. And then it says, after doing all that, then suddenly there's an army comes and camps against him. And they start to take his cities one at a time. Now, what do you think when you're under that kind of pressure? What do you think when you've got angry soldiers coming towards you and you're under pressure? You're under pressure where the odds against you are absolutely overwhelming and it looks as though you're going to be crushed. What do you do? So even if you're a good Christian walking right with God, you can still face pressures like this that seem overwhelming. But God can do some great things through it. So here's the thing. The first thing he did, and you need to know this, the first thing he did was he caved. He actually caved in, and, and, he, and he let go to the pressure. Now, you don't find it in 2 Chronicles. You find it when you read it in the book of Kings. And in the book of Kings, when the guy came, he sent some messengers out, and he said, listen, can we buy our way out of this thing? I'm really sorry. I should never have done all these things I've been doing and kind of, you know, rebelling and all that kind of stuff. So he said, listen, can we just kind of work this out? Can I pay you some money? And he had to take gold from the temple and all the silver in the temple. He actually went out and he sold out and paid him all this money, and he tried to buy his way out of the pressure, and he got a temporary release. So here's something you learn. If you compromise with pressure now it's going to come back again. If you take an easy route out under pressure now, the same deal's coming back again. And you see, so after Snacker took the money and drove away, then he said, yeah, I think I'll go and take it over anyway. And he came back again. And so this is the second time he's coming back. So this is why he sees, and he makes a statement, he said he sees his intent on war. Now, can you imagine you've compromised and given up, and then you've got a temporary relief, and now the same problems come back again. How many have had that experience in your life, eh? <laughs> you came under pressure, you caved in, you thought, well, that feels a bit better now, and then, blow me down, same problems come back again. Now you're under pressure again. When are you going to stand up? That's the challenge. So here's, let's have a look what he did. We're just going to pick a few simple things that he did, and I want to try, and, although it's uh, written in, in, like in the language of the Old Testament, what he did, I want to just try and give you some simple things that you can do when you're under pressure that can, can be drawn out of the story here. So here's the first one. So bearing in mind, if you're under pressure now, this is right where you need it now. If you've been under pressure and caved, it's going to come again. So get ready and learn what to do. When the pressure comes on you and all these kind of pressures around your mind and emotions. So, you notice they encamped around the fortified cities and, and they, they look like they're going to take them all over. Now, here's the first thing that he did. The first thing you've got to realize 
is that he did this. He just refused to be intimidated this time. This time he didn't cave. He just refused to be intimidated. Now, that's not an easy thing. King of Assyria was very, very cruel. I mean, they weren't nice. They come in and they take swords out and they kill the men, take off the woman and, and then violate the woman and take the kids into slavery. This is very violent times they're living in. This is not some little story in the Old Testament. This is actually a real conflict someone faced. And here he is. He's the leader of the major city in Judah. He's the leader, the king of Jerusalem. And in the middle of it, he's facing this pressure of this army coming against him. So the first thing is, don't yield to fear in the midst of pressure. The enemy will always come against us and try and make us afraid. Afraid there won't be enough money. Afraid I won't be able to pay the bills. Afraid I won't be able to do this. Afraid I'll fail in that kind of thing. Afraid I'll fail in some kind of area. Fear is the enemy of your walk with God. Fear will shut down your spirit. Fear is a spirit. And when fear comes around, he begins to grip you. If I make a stand against the uh, other people who are all drinking and all doing drugs, if I make a stand, I fear that I will be rejected. I fear that I won't be able to fit in. Listen, you have to face your fear. You've got to face the fear and decide you're not going to live in your fear. You're not going to yield to the fear. So the first thing he did was, now he'd already caved into fear once, and that never got him anywhere. So now the second thing he does, he, next time it comes around, don't give in to fear. Don't give in to the pressure. Make a stand inside. You're not going to yield to the pressure. You're going to do something. Now, here's what. Here's the next things you need to do. Next thing he did was he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. And many people came together, and they gathered, and they stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, why should the king of Assyria come and find a lot of water? Now, in a nation like that, water is very, very important. You know, it's more important than Coke. I mean, water's really important, and uh, they needed their water. And so this is what he said. He said, I've got to make sure that when the king of Assyria comes in with all his armies, he doesn't find any water anywhere. No water for the king. And so what they did was they concealed all of their wells. They just covered them all up and concealed them and camouflaged them. And then they, they, they stopped the water running from way up in the nation, uh, uh, well up in the, in the land of Judah, and then they made a subterranean chamber and they channeled waters around right into the center of the city. So if you go there today, you can still see the subterranean channel that they dug in Hezekiah's time and the water still goes there. And you can still go down and you can find the water that flowed and keeps flowing in that, uh, uh, that tunnel that he made. So here's a, sec here's a key. Very important. In the Bible, when it's speaking of water, it's speaking of the flow of the life of the Spirit. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So, number one, you have to make a stand and resist fear. Number two, you must keep the flow of the life of God moving in you. You must keep the flow of the anointing activated in your life. You see, the Bible says, greater is he in you than he that's in the world. So, if you're going to get the victory, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. And what he did was he ensured they had a supply of water that no one knew about right in the center of the city. Now, the supply of water you can get from God. Jesus said, you know, there's a supply I can give you. There's a supply, and it's the Holy Ghost. So you've got to ensure that in the midst of pressure, you don't stop praying. You don't give up touching the hand of God, no matter what it looks like. And even if you don't feel like much is going on, you feel overwhelmed. Pray strongly in tongues, stir your spirit man, keep a flow of the river of God moving inside you. 
And most people, when pressure comes on them, quit doing the one thing that will make a huge difference to them having power to overcome. Remember what his name is? God strengthens me. Now, when you pray in tongues and you stir your inner man and your spirit man, you begin to create a flow of anointing within you that then makes it possible for you to get other thoughts, plans, ideas. It keeps you alive on the inside. Most people, when pressure comes in, the first thing that goes is they begin to cave in their relationship with God and their prayer time, their intimacy with God. Then they begin to lean on someone else to help them. Then, before you know it, they're talking about all the problems and and they're going downhill rapidly. It's most important that when pressure comes on you, you strengthen yourself. And one way that you get the flow of anointing going in your life is by spending time in the presence of God and stirring yourself through praying in tongues. So this is the second thing that he did. Number one, he, he made a stand and refused to yield. Number two, he ensured the flow of spiritual life. He ensured the flow of the rivers of God. You've got to keep the anointing flowing in your life. You've got to keep the Spirit of God moving so you can have power to overcome. How does it God move? Well, you get praying. You get praying strongly. And when you pray strongly, your spirit begins to come alive and you become strengthened inside. And what else did he do? It said uh, they stopped up the springs. Number, uh, in verse 5, it said, he strengthened himself. That means to fasten or seize one. So you have to strengthen yourself. If you're under pressure, you will cave if you don't do something. Now, if you just think about all your problems, you get depressed and you collapse. So what you have to do is strengthen yourself. And the Bible says when David came and he faced his city, he'd been overwhelmed and everything taken away and he even wanted to stone him and it was like everything was hopeless. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Now one way, of course, we've found is praying in tongues. Another way is getting the Word of God and remembering promises of God. Meditate in the promises of God. That'll strengthen you. Remember every time, make a list of all the times God helped you previously, write them down and begin to remember them and pray them out. Thank you, Lord, you helped me in this time. Thank you, Lord, you helped me in this time. Thank you, Thank you, Lord, you help me here. Thank you, Lord, you help me through in that situation. Thank you, Lord, you'll help me this time. You've got to strengthen yourself, not just cave. person who caves, they ain't got anything in them. Don't cave when you're under pressure. Make a stand. Make a stand, keep the flow of anointing going, and begin to strengthen yourself spiritually. Strengthen yourself in God. Don't quit going to church. Don't quit getting in the small group. Get connected with people where your spiritual life can be strengthened in the adversity. One way that we get strengthened is through the encouragement of other people. Notice it said he connected with other people. Thus many people gathered. He had other people. He strengthened himself. Now, here's another thing you can do. next thing it says he did was he built up the wall that was broken and raised up the towers and built another wall outside. So you have to remove opportunities in your life for the devil to gain entrance. A wall is a boundary. A wall is something you've built in your life. A wall is some kind of principle. You notice he had holes in his life. Now, when you're under pressure, the cracks and holes in your life appear. Some of the bad stuff surfaces. Have you noticed that? Get under pressure, stuff comes to the surface. You find you've got bad thinking, bad attitude, all kinds of stuff comes out. Well, what you need to do is repair the holes in your life. And you repair the holes in your life by repenting. Yeah, God, forgive me. I've allowed this thing to come around my life. Lord, I've opened my life up through this. I need to just repent. Maybe you've got an attitude against someone and uh, you need to forgive someone. Well, just forgive them and get, get your life right. If you're going to win the battles of life, you have to ensure that you're built up inside and that if there's holes in your life, then you fix them up. 
Get right with God. If you've got stuff you're doing secretly, put it right with God. If you've got secret sin going on, put it right. Put it right. Get it right. Get it sorted out. Don't leave holes in your life that the devil can run in and just ramp all over you at any time he wants. In the old days, they used to put a wall around the city. And of course, if you had a gap in the wall, then what happens is the enemy just pour in like a flood. You just come through and they take the city. And you don't want to have a hole in the wall. You don't want to have the enemy able to walk in your life. The Bible says if you've got no control over your inner life, in other words, you, you just yield to your emotions, depression, anger, all this kind of stuff, it says you're like a city that's broken down without walls. The devil can come in and out anytime he wants. If you've got sin in your life, the devil can come anytime he wants. We've got to just look at our life under pressure. Well, under pressure, the stuff that God's wanting to change in you appears. You know, when a, when a refiner refines the gold, they know just how much to heat it, and they heat it and heat it and heat it. Now, if you don't put enough heat, it never gets refined. You've got to put just enough heat. If you do too much, you melt it, and then it evaporates, you lose the gold. If you don't put enough heat, it doesn't do it at all. You've got to get just the right amount of heat. It's quite a lot of skill in it. And when the right amount of heat comes, the gold just disintegrates and falls, goes to liquid form, and then the scum comes up, and then the refiner just cleans it all off until he can see his face in the gold. And so when you're under pressure, that's a time for you to grow in your life. And usually what happens is God will let the pressure stay there until something cracks and you melt, and then what's in your life surfaces. Now notice under pressure, compromise came in his life. Fear, he gave way to fear. But the second time around, he didn't give in to fear. This time he made a stand. So if you've given in to fear and quit sometime, don't get over it, move on. Just say, next time, I'll know what to do. Next time, I'll make a stand. So there's something that he did. These are things you could do. Notice what else he did. He made weapons and shields in abundance. So he wasn't a wimpy sort of fella. You've got to prepare to fight. If you're going to got pressure come around your life, you've got to not just make a stand. You have to prepare yourself to be able to handle the pressures you've got coming. He says he made javelins, which are hurling weapons, and he made shields. Now, the Bible says, it talks about the shield of faith. Shield of faith means you take the Word of God and you lift it up and you quench fear. You quench anxiety. You quench worry. You quench uh, rejection. You quench timidity. You actually have to quench the things that come into your mind and emotions when you're under pressure. How do you quench them? You've got to take the Word of God and speak it over the thing. You've got to speak it over. So the other thing they had were offensive weapons, javelins. Now, a javelin is a hurling weapon. So javelin's not like the sword. Sword, you get in close. Javelin is a hurling weapon. And in the Bible, most, most often, hurling weapons or something you throw a long distance really is a picture of prayer. So basically, he got into prayer. He began to just really strongly pray. He built weapons of war. Now, you can't be a passive Christian and win the game. You can't just be wimpy and expect you'll stand up and make a great influence. If you've got a great dream, you believe me, you've got great pressure and a great fight coming up. And you've got to develop the strength and capacity. You've got to learn God has made provision. There are promises in the Word of God. Listen, when I came here, God gave me a promise. And many times when I've been under pressure, I've taken that Word up and I've held it up like a shield to quench doubts and uncertainties. You've got to get the Word of God and speak it out of your mouth. Speak it to where these things are coming from. If you don't, who's going to? You see, and what they used to do is they used to fire fiery darts. It was kind of like an arrow with some stuff wrapped around it, and they'd set it on fire, and when it hit you, you got on fire. So not very nice. Hit the building, it all caught on fire. And you have to turn it out. You have to quench it. Have you ever been with someone, and they said something, and for the next day, you were in pain, and that thing was burning in your brain? 
That's a fiery dart. You've got to recognize what it looks like. Fiery dart, well, we say fiery dart. Yeah, arrow, burning, yeah, catch on fire. Okay, how about this? How about a demon gets behind the words someone speaks, fires into you, and suddenly feel deeply wounded, deeply knocked on the inside, and you can't get your emotions and your mind together for a day or two because this thing's going on inside you. That is a fiery dart. It's got spiritual horsepower behind it to try and intimidate you and wipe you out of being a powerful, strong, effective believer that influences the life of others. You've got to quench it. You don't quench it, then you don't break through. It just keeps burning. You need someone to help you and pray for you. <laughs> That's good. Okay, prepare to fight. Now, next thing you notice he did, you got it. He says, now then he set the military captains over the people, gathered them together, and gave them encouragement, saying, be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid or dismayed of the king of Assyria, nor all the multitude with him, for there are more with us than there are with him. With him is the arm of flesh, with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. And people were strengthened by the words of, the, of Hezekiah. Now notice what he did now. He began to speak words of faith. You have to learn to speak words of faith in the midst of pressure. You've got to speak God's perspective. Now, in, in, there's another story in the Bible. It goes like this. And here's this guy, the servant of the Lord. And he wakes up, goes out and stretches. And he's just about to have a look out there. And as he looks out and around, you know what he sees? He sees an army surrounding them. And they have got one mission. Here's the mission. Catch Elisha, catch the servant, kill him. That's their mission. He looks around. They're surrounded by an army. And so he says, oh, oh overcome by fear and pressure. And Elijah says, Elijah says an interesting thing to him. He says this. He says, Lord, open his eyes. Now, he is looking at the natural circumstance. Man, it looks bad. There's a whole army of them, all armed, soldiers, vicious. There's two of us, no, no weapons. It doesn't look good. And so he was seeing with natural eyes the situation. And this, was how, this is how God solved it for him. Elisha just prayed one prayer. Lord, open his eyes that he can see into the spirit realm and see the same situation from the high ground. So when he was on the low ground, thinking naturally and looking at the circumstances, it looked totally overwhelming and impossible. So Elijah said, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. What might he see? So God opened his eyes. Now he's repositioned. Now he sees something. And what he sees changes the way he looks at what he was experiencing. What he saw was he saw in the spirit realm, and this is what Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, show him there's more before us than, than, than against us. So God showed him all the angels that were around Elisha. And so he saw from a spiritual perspective this battle was not a problem because they had angels of God working on their side. Isn't that interesting? Now, what happens with most people when they get in a problem? They can only see it naturally. And you've got to get your perspective up. You've got to hear what God has to say about it and see it through what God's perspective is. As soon as you see it that way, faith comes in your heart. This is no problem. So he, he, while he was looking at it through natural eyes, he's looking and saying, we're in deep trouble. Once his eyes open up, he looked at it again. <laughs> you guys are in big trouble. Now, what changed him? He saw something. He just saw God's perspective. He saw the reality of the spirit realm that there was more for us than there are against us. Now, this is exactly the same thing that Hezekiah said. 
Now, notice what Hezekiah, he encouraged the people and he said, don't worry about this king of Assyria. There's more for us than be against us. With us is the Lord of hosts. With him is an arm of flesh. Now, what did he see? He must have seen the angelic realm. He must have seen that there is more for us. We're going to be okay. Now, he didn't just stop this. So he noticed what he did. He began to speak words of faith. Be strong. Be courageous. God is with us. Now, if you're in a difficult situation, you've got to speak. You're going to say something. Now, you're only going to talk about your problem and how bad it is. You know what the first thing people get a problem, a bit of pressure comes? They ring up someone and they talk about it. Now, you know what? They're not probably going to help you. They'll just agree with you. Yeah, it's not fair. Man's real bad the way you were treated. Yeah, yeah oh, I know. You know that and before you know it, they're agreeing with you about your problem. That is not how you handle problems. Your first point of reference should be to go to God and go to the Word of God. Now, if you don't develop a lifestyle that the Word of God really actually carries horsepower, the Word of God can help you, you'll go to the phone, you'll go to a movie, you go to a cigarette, you go to TV, you go to a show, you go to anywhere, but you won't solve your problem because you're staying in a natural level. You've got to come up and let God help you see the same thing differently. When we deal with some situations in counselling, quite interesting, people have had traumatic experiences and they've experienced something that's got in them and now they've got this pain and hurt and trauma and all the kind of thing. You know how I've seen God heal them? I've seen God heal hundreds like this. Hundreds and hundreds of people. And he would just take them back and they would remember the event. They would go back and they'd start to remember the event naturally. And then, of course, they start to feel the feelings and start to go through all kinds of turmoil and start to just get agitated and start to feel the feelings of what happened to them and how bad it was. And, but then we'd ask the Holy Spirit to open their eyes to see the thing differently, to see it the way God, the reality from the spirit realm. You know, almost every time they begin to encounter Jesus and they see the thing differently. And the pain goes out and Jesus speaks to them, gives them a different perspective, and they walk away and the thing has changed. Do they remember the event? Yeah, they remember the event. Do they live in pain? No, no longer living in pain. Why? Because they have a spiritual perspective of the same event. It's a very strong pattern in the Bible. That's how God shifts us in many things. Just gets us to see differently. Put on, a different, put on the glasses. See something you didn't see before. So how do you do that? Well, you've got to get into prayer and get a hold of God. So speak faith words. And then the last thing, he got a prophecy. Someone come along and Isaiah prophesied and said, listen, this king's in trouble. What he's going to do is he's going to get a message telling him there's trouble. He's going to listen to the message and he'll go and he'll never return. Now, even though he had a prophetic word, notice the last thing that this man did in verse 20. Now, because of this king, Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah prayed and cried out to heaven. So even if you've got a word, you must pray until you've broken through. And they prayed what you'd call governing prayer. There was a king and there was a prophet. There's an apostle prophet. There's actually a governing prayer. They began to intercede and pray. You read the Bible, you can find how they prayed, and you get a pattern for how to pray when you're under pressure. But this, these guys prayed until God spoke again, and then it all changed. And what happened? Well, here it is. They're still surrounded by this army. And then one night, something unusual happened. They woke up in the morning, and 185,000 people have died. Now, that's not a little number of people. How many have we got in Hastings? About 60,000? 
We're talking something like, you know, the population of Hastings and Napier and Hastings again. 185,000. How did it happen? Angels were released. Power of God was released and this king's power was broken just like that. He was humiliated without them firing a shot. God gave them a breakthrough, but he did some things before breakthrough took place. What did he do? He first of all compromised, and that didn't get him any joy at all. He ended up with them coming back to pressure him again. So what did he do? He made a stand. The first thing he did was make a stand. And we went through the different things that he did that got him the victory. The final one was persevering strong prayer until the breakthrough came. And when it came through, the king was dismayed. The king went back. And uh, when he went back to his house, he was put to death. He never returned to come against that city again. What an amazing release from pressure. Supernatural intervention. But it wasn't without this man, Hezekiah, whose name means God is my strength. He did some things that got the breakthrough. If you were under pressure, you need to realize, Jesus said, well, pressure's going to come. But you don't have to be stressed or overwhelmed by it. I am with you and I've overcome it. What a great thing to have Jesus Christ as your friend. The same Jesus Christ that promised to be with us and help us in pressures is the same God that appeared to Hezekiah and helped him. Even if you're living a good life and doing the very best you are as a Christian, pressures are going to come. And when they come, don't cave in because it'll come again and again and again until you stand up and win the battle. When the enemy comes against you and you feel overwhelmed and the pressure's all around you, you need to do the right things. You need to demonstrate a commitment to make a stand. That's the first thing. Do not be intimidated. Then you need to ensure that there's a life of the Spirit flowing in you. Don't let your spirit life shut down because you've got mental and pressure and emotional pressure. You need to ensure if there's any holes in your life that you fix them up. You need to strengthen and encourage yourself in God. You need to prepare to fight. You need to get the Word of God, begin to stand up and speak faith words over your life and situation. And finally, you need to be willing to pray until you get the breakthrough. Now, this is very, very simple things that are laid out there. It's things every person could do. But I'm sure that the majority of you, when pressure came, did not do any of these things. Why don't you decide? Because so many put their hands up saying, I'm under pressure. Why don't you take that story, begin to go through it and take those key things, and then start tomorrow. Start tomorrow. I'm standing up against this thing. I'm not giving in. I'm not rolling over. I'm not giving in to the sin, this pressure, this temptation. I'm not giving any of that stuff now. I am making a stand. This time, God is helping me to break through. God will strengthen me. And I'll just begin to do the things that I was told to do. Things that were in the Bible, very clear. When we close our eyes right now, just want to invite, if there's any person here who doesn't know Jesus, you haven't, got, you haven't made Jesus your friend yet, you haven't made a commitment to become a Christian, but here you are and you've come into a meeting with a lot of other people and the presence of God is here, and yet there's a terrible need and emptiness in your life. You know, Jesus said, everyone who received him and believed on him, he gave power to become a child of God. You're living your life without God. That's why it's so hard. You make mistakes. You do stuff you wish you hadn't done. You're living a life separated from God. That's what sin is really all about. And Jesus came to pay the penalty for sin, to remove that out of the way so you could have a covenant friendship with the living God. But it requires a decision. You have to make a decision personally that you'll receive Jesus Christ. 
It's not a matter of trying to live a good life. It's not a matter of saying, I need to get my life fixed up first. No, you just say, Lord, I've got a mess here. Lord, I really do open my heart to you. Tonight, I want to turn to you. I, I need to turn to you. I want to turn to you. I'm going to receive you tonight. 